I used to be an attorney. One of the last cases I was trying to help this lady get custody of her kids from her ex-husband. And after we met, she said, I like you so much better than my last attorney. He just wanted my money, that Jew. Mm, I'm Jewish. I didn't say it out loud though because I really wanted her money. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Legally Crazy. I'm your host, Dean Masello, with my lovely wife and co-host, Dr. Michelle Sheets. Thanks for being here, Michelle, as always. It is my pleasure, Dean Masello. So, Michelle, it is approaching 11 o'clock at night. The girls have been asleep for four hours. It's almost time for them to wake up. Yes, they'll wake up pretty soon. Um, so, this is <sighs> actually going to be, I know you're tired. So tired. We're both kind of getting over being sick. Yes. So, I'm actually going to make this easy. Uh, I have a special treat for the audience today. Ooh. Um, so, we're just going to talk for a few minutes, and then I'm going to be playing uh, my recent interview with comedian Trey Crowder. Stop it, Trey! I wouldn't. I wouldn't tease. How'd you get him? Seri- I know. I know. Well, uh, I, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm friends. We're friends. I. Wow. I think he would say the same thing. You really think that? Um, no, I'm really good friends with. I could say this with comedian Drew Morgan and Corey Ryan Forrester. Okay. And Corey and uh, Drew are uh-huh. friends with Trey. Okay. And so I've gotten to know Trey through them. Okay. And uh, I know you know who Trey is, but just for our audience here, if you're not familiar, Trey is a stand-up comic and co-author of the liberal redneck manifesto, Dragon Dixie Out of the Dark. It's a non-fiction book that is available all major booksellers. Um, and Trey is currently developing a sitcom with ABC. A B C. I don't even know what's on ABC. Um, I can't name a single show. Mm. What about Kevin? What is that show called with Kevin James? Waiting for Kevin or Waiting on Kevin? I don't know. Is that ABC? Kevin oh, can wait, dude. I'm, I'm so of the shows I watch. You watch I, Off the Boat. What's that? I don't know. Yeah, it's because we watch everything on Hulu. I know, so I or something I'm not else. Sure, so I don't. I, it messes up. And I haven't watched a network sitcom since Seinfeld, so I have no idea. I've, I'm like, I know from Cheers to Seinfeld, everything that was on around that time. Shoot, I just, I just, gosh darn it, don't know. I'm up no help. Okay, well, here. it is the American Broadcasting Network. Okay. Did you know that's what, that what it stood for? Yeah. Um, if you had asked me, I would have thought about it. And I bet I would have come up with that one, Dean. Now, you know, I said American Broadcasting Network. 
ABC. Oh. American, American Broadcast, Broadcast Company. Company. Probably Company Network, same thing. Um, oh, so anyways, uh, I really, um, I'll be looking forward to the sitcom, uh, which is kind of a take on Trey's dysfunctional upbringing in life and growing up as a liberal redneck. Uh, so that's what he's best known as. Uh, and you've seen the videos. I guess he'd been doing stand up, but he started doing videos, uh, from the perspective of a liberal redneck on various social issues from like transgender bathroom, mm. uh, gun control, gays in the military. And so he just started doing these YouTube videos on the back of his porch uh, shirtless at first. And he's not even like Ooh. that sexy. Like he's a normal body. Well, I don't know. He was just being, I don't know. I, I think I he, do. I think he would agree. <laughs> you know. I do. You're saying. Trey's pretty sexy. Hot bond. Hot. He's really contest. confident. And that that's sexy. Yeah. No, no. Trey's a good-looking dude, but he garnered a, a following on the internet not because of his looks, but because of his wit and intellect. Uh, his videos are hilarious, biting, and he quickly grew a following around the country. And now has probably millions of fans, uh, including God Himself. What? You know who I'm talking about. Who are you talking about, Dean? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman is on video in an interview. He looked like he was on his way to an award show or a wedding or something. He's being interviewed about various things about his life. And someone asked him his favorite comedian. Who makes you laugh? And he said, Trey fucking Crowder. You're right. I did see this. I had forgotten. And it is pretty astonishing. It's one of those things where... You watch it and you think, wait, did he just say Trey's name? Yeah. I mean, how often, surprising. how often, A, do you get to hear like someone that famous, like their opinion on something like that? But also you would expect them to say like, you know, oh, like someone real, f- it's hard to say any man now because most of them are probably have been accused of sexual assault. Right. So I was going to say Louis C.K. I'm like, nope, can't say him. Yeah. But anyways. Trey is uh, a newcomer to the scene. You would think Morgan Freeman would say, oh, my favorite is like Chris Rock or Jerry Seinfeld, someone who's been famous for years. He's like, no, I like this new guy, Trey. Um, So anyways, if you haven't seen his videos, check it out. Uh, But he was already a a phenomenal comedian, and Corey, Trey, and Drew have been touring the country playing for uh, just... uh, adoring fans. I was trying to think of something other than adoring I mean, the, the, their fans really dig them. Yeah, they dig them. Uh, and again, the, the they're hardcore. They Fanatics, are the will. voice of the previously voiceless, the liberals in the in the, in the South. Right. Um, and uh, it causes some controversy, but uh, they're riding the wave right now. It feels like I told them when I was at their shows. It feels like a movement. It feels. I feel like it's part of this whole. Me Too, The Resistance, it's all coalescing into this tidal wave. Coalescing. (laughs) Did I say that word wrong? Coalescing. Coalescing. I am not. That's probably the first time I tried to use that word. It's okay. You went to law school. The Q is not. Isn't there a Q in there? No Q. (laughs) (laughs) There's no Q? I thought it was a silent Q. Coalescing. Or a silent... C and the end of Kolesk? No. All right. 
Anyways. Coalescing. <sighs> Coalesc. Yes. Coalesc. There's a Q. No Q. <laughs> what is it? A, a C. Yeah, there's a silent C. Or soft C. Anyways. But uh, what, someone coalesces. Anyways, uh, Trey and I, so I actually interviewed Trey between an early show and a late show on the same night. So he had time between the two shows to interview, and uh, Trey's a dad. He's got, I think it's something like a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, two boys. And so we actually just talked about, you know, Trey was kind of sick of talking about social issues because that's all he does on stage. So he wanted to talk about being a dad. So we talked about parenting, spanking guns but we actually just so so everyone's uh on the same page here the interview starts trey's interviewing me about my family and we just happened to be chatting about it when i hit record and it turned out to be a good chat it shows that uh, trey and i have a lot more in common than you would uh than you would assume and i think it's pretty interesting in its own right and but then it kind of smoothly transitions into uh, a great interview with uh, Trey Crowder. Hey, Michelle, thanks for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Anytime, Dean Masello. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Trey Crowder. Whoop whoop. Is it just you two? You're the only siblings, or do you uh, have another one? Oh, <laughs> we have more. three older siblings. What? Really? But well, our oldest was our sister. Uh, our, our parents lost custody of her because of my dad's gambling. I kind of have a redneck. Yeah. <laughs> past. Uh, my mom, except it, it's kind of like a redneck fable. It was My mom was Jewish, and my dad was Italian Catholic. Uh-huh. She was the only... She had two sisters. They both married responsible Jewish men, but my mom was obsessed with Italians uh-huh. and like just loved Italian men. <laughs> And so she, against everyone's opinion, only because she was, uh, not because he was Italian, but because he, everyone knew he was an alcoholic, compulsive gambler. So they actually lost custody of their firstborn daughter. Uh, Children's Services took over custody, and they said, if you can get, come up with $50 a month for the next three months, uh, that proves that you're responsible, and you'll get custody of your daughter back. Because as soon as she was born, they put her in foster care. Lord. And... Uh, at the end of the first month, my dad had 50, but he's like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to give him all 150 up front. And of course, he'd go to the track and yeah. lose it. And then it, when it came time to visit, my dad was like, we can't visit her because we're not paying money. It'll look silly. So then the first month that happened, second month, third month. And then like at five months, they got a notice in the mail that she had been adopted. And then she found us when she was 25 and almost went to the same high school as my two older brothers who are just years younger than her. So was, this is almost a, a tale of incest. <laughs> <laughs> um, she found you when she was twenty-five. How she old was were you? Me when and she my was me and Mike were five, so okay. we don't even remember meeting our sister. Yeah, they could have told us we grew up with her and whatever. Do you still know her now or no? Oh yeah, yeah. Ever oh, since okay. then, like oh okay. She grew up in a Jewish family who they couldn't breed. And so she grew up as an only <laughs> child. I don't know. Is that Jewish? No, breed? no. It's, it's like, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know a better way to say it, but it's just, it's funny way to say it. Sounds it. like eugenics. They couldn't of. breed. <laughs> yeah. So are you, this is a very ignorant question, but I genuinely don't know. In the Jewish faith, it's, 
it's passed down through one of the parents, right? It's either like the is it the mom or the dad? It's the mom. So you're Jewish. Then. I am one hundred percent. I'm more Jewish than a girl who say is raised by a Jewish dad and she's celebrates all the holidays and was she was bar mitzvah bat mitzvah or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh and I was raised Catholic, but according to the Jewish people, I'm right. more Catholic or I'm more Jewish than that girl. Because your mother is Jewish. I'm Jewish. Okay. Uh I get total respect from And that so that but that's it that that's the rule. Like it, it, if your mom's Jewish, you're good. Yeah. What if your dad if your dad's Jewish <laughs> But your mom isn't at all. But you also don't. You're not raised Jewish. Like, do you have no claim whatsoever, or is it like, eh, I'm a little Jewish? <laughs> I mean, I feel like culturally you're a little Jewish. Okay. But according to you know Israel, the state of Israel. Yeah. You're not like I could have. I could move to Israel. I could have done that free birthright trip. No shit. But if my dad was Jewish. Not, none of that. That's wild. It is crazy. I feel like it's usually the other way around in a lot of cult. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is paternal, that type of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, with royalty and shit and, like, hierarchies and stuff, like, it's paternal. Yeah, it's, a, it seems kind of progressive without knowing anything else about it <laughs> that they're passing on. Right. Trey. Yeah. We, uh, I just watched you perform here at Gramercy Theater. Um, and you made one Jew reference. I did. You remember? It's, yeah. It's part of a, a, I think, a regular joke. I was talking about how my accent comes and goes, and I said if I'm in a meeting in L.A. with some, you know, studio people, my accent's going to be a lot more subdued. And that I don't do that on purpose. It just happens. If I'm in that meeting and my phone rings and it's my buddy from back home. Kobe, I'll go right back into the accent without even thinking about it. And then what I say is, like, yeah, character development, very important. Oh, I'm sorry. And I look at my phone. Oh, I need to take this. And I'm like, what do you say, son? And then I say, ah, you know, just a bunch of Jew stuff. What are you doing? Because, you know, Hollywood equals Jews to a lot of people (laughs) or whatever. But, yeah, that's my one Jew reference. (laughs) So as, uh, as a comic and observer, I'm like, man, you know, Trey can get away with saying that. (laughs) <laughs> you're not Jewish, but you right. can get away with saying that. Um, and I don't know if it's the crowd or just you. I feel like it's you. I th- the What I think it is is because I feel like at least people understand that like the joke I'm making is this is what the people from my hometown, you know, still live there and everything – think Hollywood is you know what I mean so it's almost like even though it is me saying it in there it's me saying it in the joke it's like that's what the joke is or the joke that I'm making so people allow me to do it because that's the type of you know that is what rednecks think about Hollywood or whatever or you know that's one of the innumerable negative uh, opinions they have of Hollywood yeah so uh, I think it's that and then also just that you're known as the liberal redneck, so yeah. you're coming from. They know you're you're coming from a good place, right? But uh, yeah, so, they give me the benefit of the doubt, definitely. Um, and so I've, I've I've read some of your stuff, not all of it, but I uh, I know you you even though you grew up in like very small town, like town outside of town, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that you, your dad was who you ended up with. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna like fast forward through a lot of shit here, but your mom was a pillbilly, mm-hmm. as you say, she sold mm-hmm. pills. You ended up 
living with your dad. Mm-hmm. He was a good person, but he partied. Mm-hmm. And he had a gay brother. Yep. And the combination of growing up with your dad, who was progressive, and you said who he taught you to ask questions and to just love. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Pretty much, yeah. And where did that come from? Like, from him? It just was in him? I mean, I think he only ever talked to me one time about his gay brother, my Uncle Tim. I mean, they were super close, and my Uncle Tim was always around. My dad talked about Uncle Tim a lot. What I mean is he only ever talked to me once about the fact that he was gay and finding out he was gay. And the way he described it was like they were at some party in high school and some other person, uh, a girl, though, like it wasn't a shitty comment, but a girl said, made some comment about Uncle Tim being gay, and my dad was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, what, really? Timmy, he's he's gay, Terry. You know that, right? He's gay. And my dad, the way he told it to me was, he said he was just like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Well, all right, <laughs> hell. And that was pretty much it. And then from then on, that just... Their relationship didn't really change much outside of that. So when you ask, like, where did that come from with him? I mean, dude, he just loved his brother. You know, like, like, there was no political motivations or nothing with it. It just genuinely did not impact the way my dad felt about his brother, you know. And that wasn't some big statement to him. That was just totally natural. You know what I mean? And that's just that's just the kind of guy he was. And so, like, I think we all want to be like better than our parents in certain ways. Uh, just like society in general is supposed to get better. Yeah, just yeah. Taking a little back sure. But uh, uh, like, my dad never changed a single diaper. I've been a stay-at-home dad for a year. Uh-huh. So, like the bar was low, but it sounds like your dad uh, had already kind of set the bar. Like, so are there things where like I'm gonna do this that your dad? Like, so you have two boys. How old are they? The the oldest one just turned six last week, and his little brother turns five at the end of next month. They're 13 months apart. So All right. almost five and six. All right. Do you think you're a good dad? I try to be, man. I hope so. I mean, I feel like I learned from a good one, you know, because, yeah. like, in, it's, you know, in line with what you were talking about, like you mentioned diapers, actually. When my first son was born, like, very, very early on, I had like I've got a weak stomach. I don't do well with gross things at all. And very early on, after my first son was born, we were back at home at my dad's house, me and my wife and the newborn. And he pooped, and I just made some offhand remark about, yeah, you know, I can handle the pissy diapers all day, but I don't, I don't do well with poop. And my dad like lit into me. He was like, "That's bullshit." You change that goddamn diaper or whatever. What do you mean you don't? What do you mean you don't do poop? Who, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like I mean, oh man, he got mad about it, and I was like, I was just fucking kidding, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like, but yeah. So I mean, yeah, he did set the bar pretty yeah. high as Sounds far like as your that dad goes. should have the tour. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, but my, my dad passed away in 2013 yeah. uh, from pancreatic cancer, which is a hell of a thing. Let me tell you, yeah, that. but, but. Yeah, no, you you said my dad should have the tour. Drew Morgan, our mutual friend, how me and you met, and he tours with me. When Drew did the... Uh, Is he on stage, by the way? No, Corey's on stage right now. Oh, fuck. I can't tell them. On the podcast, I can't tell you and Corey. I yeah. know. Dude, Side note. Weirdly, I can't tell me and Corey apart on the, on the podcast sometimes. Like, when I listen back to it, 
Uh, it's wild because <laughs> I don't think in person, I don't feel like me and Corey sound that much alike, but I listen to the podcast and yeah, we sound very similar, but yeah. And I but, thought that was Drew, which I don't usually get those two confused, but yeah, but Drew um, one so, night we did a show. I had booked a show in Cookville, Tennessee, where I went to college, which is like 50 miles away from my hometown. My dad drove up for it and I Drew was on it with me. So me and Drew drove up from Knoxville and before the show started, we're just hanging out, having some beers and my dad arrives and I introduced Drew to my dad, and Drew and my dad sit there and shoot the shit for, like, less than five minutes. It's like three, four minutes of this, and Drew just, like, stops my dad and looks at me, and he goes, dude, your dad is so much fucking cooler than you are. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I get that a lot. Because, but, he, uh, I mean, he really was, man. Like, I mean, he, everyone, that I, everyone that knew my dad well, all my good buddies and everything, like, he was universally revered, you know, like at my, my wedding, me and my wife, my dad was probably the star of the goddamn show. Cause all my buddies were wanting to go out and smoke a joint with spook. My dad's nickname was spook. Everybody always called him spook <laughs> and everybody wanted to go get high with spook and all this shit. I mean, like everyone loved him, man, you know, cause he was just, he was a good time and a good guy, but you asked about trying to do shit better than him. Yeah. He was a great dude and very loving, and I attribute a lot of the way I am to him, but my dad wasn't the most uh, ambitious guy or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, again, I grew up in Salina. My dad grew up in Salina. You know what I'm saying? Like, he never left. Like, he stayed there and, like... Was there was there a, an industry in Salina that laughed or something that that like laughed? Yes, uh, and it my dad was indirectly affected. Like much of the town, there was a, a factory, a clothing factory in Salina that, when NAFTA passed, that factory moved to Mexico, and it just totally devastated the town. My dad owned a video store. If you remember what those were. <laughs> My dad owned a video store, which obviously that would have went under no matter what eventually because it was a fucking video store. But like many other small businesses in the town, when the factory went under and a lot of people lost their jobs, that took uh, our place under too. So, yeah, so I traveled in a lot of small towns in Ohio when I was there, and my, I, most of them have some sad story behind it. And I always wonder, like, who are these people who stay? Because you could just go to a, a city that has more job, like has jobs. Why do you stay? And I think you maybe answered it. This lack of a ambition is like what? I mean, I did say that, and I think that's like true of him, or at least early on. But I also think, in fairness to him, by the time all that shit happened, my dad didn't have a college degree. He had ran this, you know, small business for a while, and he had like two kids, me and my sister, and I was like junior high age and my sister was probably fourth fifth grade something like that and i think it's you know at that point it was a matter of where the fuck am i gonna go and what am i gonna do you know what i mean and now like i think if i was in that situation like if all this shit with me goes under tomorrow and i'm living out in la and i'm feeling that way what the fuck am i gonna do where am i gonna go i'll figure something out but i'm saying I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, in my dad's situation. Um, right. Well, now it's also just expected that everyone is... You don't expect to have a, a stable career even now. Right. I think your dad was, like you said, it, it's kind of like things were changing. And so people just assumed that it was going to recover. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm right? sure they thought that. My, my grandpa, my dad's dad, my grandpa, he owned a, uh, a car lot, a used car lot, not a dealership or whatever, but he owned a car lot right next door to the grocery or the fuck, grocery, the video store and all that. 
and yeah, I think absolutely there was hope or expectation or whatever on their part that, you know, we'll rebound, like it'll get better, but then it just never did. And both of them ended up dying, but I think a lot of people felt that way, and I think they did too, you know what I mean? And and, and when that happened, I mean, my dad's like, you know, 40, whatever, and like I said, I just, I mean, I get it. I get how you could look around and be like, <laughs> What the fuck am I gonna do, or where am I gonna go? You know. You think the internet was uh, the, the the game changer, as far as like you, and like what gave you the courage to just propel yourself out out of there? Like what? Actually, what I chalked that up more to than anything is actually just college, because like I was the first person in my family to go to college, but my dad and my grandpa and my uncle and a lot of other adults in my life my whole life because I always made really good grades. I was always a straight A student. They were always like, you are fucking going to college. You're going to college and you're leaving here and you're going and doing something. And that was put in my head from a very early age. So the idea of staying in Salina actually was never even remotely on the table for me. And I think right. it's because of that. Do you think that like people who knew you like Trey's going to make it out of here? Like, like you, I was, sorry, I was, you know, like, high, you know, senior superlatives and the yearbook and all that shit, whatever. I mean, they, I was voted most likely to succeed. Yeah. Like I was the smart kid in my class. It was a tiny class in a tiny school in the middle of nowhere. So like, don't misunderstand me. Not that high of a bar. So but, Drew says but the I same was, thing. But I was that guy, though, for sure. And, yeah, people definitely – did they think I would – it would be like – like a lot of those same people that were like, oh, yeah, Trey's going to make some of himself. A lot of those same people are not thrilled with what I have made of myself <laughs> because of political reasons, right. you know. But, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, everybody, uh, adult, you yeah. know, teachers – Authority figures, parents, family members, and friends, all of them. I mean, yeah, I was always that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're the one, Wyatt. I was always that guy. <laughs> I like the fact that they're not astonished that you made it as a stand-up comedian, but that you're liberal. Because the t- odds of becoming a stand-up comedian have to be more th- difficult than becoming a, like a football NFL football player. It's honestly not even – I wouldn't say that they're astonished by it. It's more of just – not thrilled with it, like I said. Like I say a lot of things that they don't appreciate. Right. You know, like you're I mean? misrepresenting the brand. Yeah, and but yeah, I don't know that it's if I would call it astonishment, uh, but but yeah, they're not happy about it. A lot of them, um, a lot of people are, but a lot of people yeah. aren't. So uh, yeah, so I still don't think you answered the question. So I was saying your dad seemed to be ahead of the curve. And so that means that for you to be better than your dad, you're ahead of the curve now. And maybe, and you are definitely from your time and place. You're, you're on this comedy tour that's speaking to, like, millions of people across country. But as far as, like, your, your approach to your boys, like, maybe your dad was for corporal punishment because that was accepted during the time. But maybe you decided not. Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's, your, what's your view on that? Yeah. Uh, so with my dad specifically... I got I got my ass whipped, but not by my dad. So I like basically my dad was okay with it. He allowed it to happen. It was very much so a thing culturally. Like, dude, my babysitter. I used to have a bit. Of, I mean, I still do, kind of. I'm just not doing it right now. But I have a bit about the babysitter I went to, or basically the daycare I went to when I was a little kid, and how she used to beat the shit out of us, make us pick our own switch and stuff. And that's true. And all the parents around there, including my dad knew it and we're like yeah that's how it works and that's fine 
or like you know if my mom whipped me or my, my grandparents whipped me or whatever my dad like never tried to stop any of that or never like spoke out against it but my dad also never once whipped me though like in my life so it, you know it's like kind of a gray area i it's think where it's like yeah. again he like yeah he was complacent but he didn't do it um and i and i don't and i don't do it like i don't whip my kids or whatever because i don't think that that is right or works and all that but i mean yeah where i grew up it's do teachers teachers had fucking paddles on the wall you know what i mean that they named you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, they had paddles with names that they would fucking beat eight-year-olds with and shit you know like that's how it was where i grew up it was very much a thing like i mean dude i grew that's up dirt poor you know what i mean uh -huh. like we didn't have much and that's something that's honestly that's the biggest thing i would think that i try to do better than uh -huh. my dad did is I don't want my boys to ever have to go through that type of shit when it comes to not having no goddamn money or buying right. fuck eating shitty food and living on food stamps and that right. kind of stuff that I did. So I don't want them to ever have to do. So That's I'd, probably number one. So when I was a public defender, I said I was I represented uh, kids. The only two times in my life I've heard the word switch is from my little my my, my young black clients and you. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard the word switch outside of that cuz th their grandmas would make them get a yeah. switch and they're growing up in urban Cleveland or urban right. Columbus, and you're growing up in bumfuck nowhere, mm -hmm. Tennessee, and you use the word switch. Yeah. That's kind of fascinating to me that the two cultures I, both, like, in, in I, between, not. I remember thinking, because I've been into stand-up for a long time. I've been a fan for a long time, and I can remember vividly watching uh, a D.L. Hughley special. It was called Coming Home was the name of the special, and his closer was this big, elaborate, act-out bit where he's like, come home with me, y'all, come home with me, here we... And he's, like, walking through his childhood home and his childhood town and all this stuff and calling out things that everybody's laughing at because they know what he's talking about. And I can remember watching that at, like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old or something, and A, dying fucking laughing, but also thinking to myself, like... This is fucking wild. Like, literally everything he's saying is, I relate to 100%. Like, is something that I have in my life for that. It's exactly this. We talked about his big mama, his grandma. It was my mama cat. They might as well have been the same fucking lady. <laughs> and that was the first time that that, like, occurred to me of, you know, there's a shitload of similarities here or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nuts. Yeah, no, it's like, and you, it's a yeah, it's a socioeconomic thing. Like, yeah. there's, you know, growing up poor is in a lot of ways a universal experience, right. I think, and it's just the reality, you know. But and this is this is about to get very fucking, uh, you know, liberal bloggy type shit. <laughs> but I genuinely think it's like the problem or what's happening is. Like, we, poor white people, poor black people, and every, like, we're turned against each other by the people that are the actual problem, which is the fucking, you know, the rich lizard plutocrats in <laughs> right, charge. Yeah. You know what I mean? As long as, like, we're blaming each other for things and we're at each other's throats, we're not going to be paying attention to what the actual problems are. You know, and again, that's kind of fucking chemtraily or whatever, no, but, but I genuinely believe that. Like, that's real you know uh, even if it wasn't 
some fucking Illuminati manifesto right. plan that they laid out. That's still what how it actually works. Right. I mean, it's uh, even if it's just like the Clintons or Hillary Clinton saying the word super predator. Right. Whatever. It's like every both sides use that language to pit. Yeah. You guys against each other. Yeah. So you guys are like kind of the determining factor. I guess both of you. Uh, I, I don't know. So so you're known as the liberal redneck. You got the, these two boys. And I have two uh, uh, twin daughters, as like people who listen to this know. And I joke around saying, oh, I wish I could have a boy so I could make one good man. Uh, one good fella. Mm-hmm. I really want to say it. Like I'm adding girls to the world, but... I get advice all the time on how to protect my girls from men. Right. When, why are we assuming that men can't change? With right. Like, and so you have these two boys that you're able to mold. You got this progressive dad. You, you're a liberal redneck. Do you feel pressure to like create like feminist, <laughs> male feminists that everyone hates? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I, I mean, no, I don't feel, I personally don't feel pressure in that regard, but, I don't feel pressure, but I do want to do that. Like, I seriously, I try to take as simplistic a view of it as I can it, because I feel like that's kind of what my dad did, which is, and it's basically just empathize with other people, don't be shitty, don't hate people, treat people the way you want to be treated, and that's other boys and girls, you know, like – and just be fucking decent. Is ba- And, of course, obviously when it gets into – specific parenting situations you know what i mean it gets drilled down a little more but i'm saying the overarching philosophy right. is basically j- just that i mean that's pretty much it or that's where i start from at least i don't yeah i don't have like i, I de- like i said i don't feel pressured but i do want to do that want though. them to be because just uh, decent i just want them to be good know. i mean like that's pretty seriously that's pretty much right. it i just don't t- want them to be shitty and you know what i fucking worry about and like Again, this is if things keep going well for me, but like, and I've heard Jim Jeffries talk about this, and this is a weird thing to worry about, but I really do. Like, now that I'm experiencing success and like starting to make money and shit, and we live in Burbank, California, and whatever else, like, I worry about them turning into spoiled little shitty fucking assholes you know because like little rich kid assholes with this sense of entitlement and all this shit like i worry about that shit because i was never even remotely right. in that situation at all is and that a like, first generation issue where if you're old 100%, money you figured it yeah. out but new money like we don't we don't yeah. know what to do i with mean this. i think so yeah i don't but i, I don't do know. i think about that shit man like but I, at I the same time you got the money i'm oh, sorry go ahead i just i feel way more pressure i think in that regard than i do when it comes to like uh, you know, don't be racist or don't be or don't be misogynist or whatever. Again, I want that shit, but I feel like that all kind of that's a ripple effect of just don't be shitty. <laughs> and I feel like them growing up spoiled rich kids potentially. That's how you end up shitty. I think like if you don't have good parents, and so like that's what fucking worries me. Honestly, like I think about like. You know, do I make them have jobs and shit? And, like, you know what I mean? Or even when they get older, like, I want to buy them a car. Do I make them work it off or whatever? Like, do that type of stuff that I don't have to make them do. But, like, should I to teach them these lessons and stuff? And, yeah, I I think about that shit a lot. 
I feel like it's similar to like a someone a first generation uh, immigrant. So someone from India comes here and they're like, "Well, I busted my ass to get my family here." Right. They got to continue busting their ass in order to have the the same lifestyle. Right. Whatever. But maybe they don't. Maybe they could just pursue their artistic dreams of you know right. being a dong painter or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing too. Like I'm. It would be really shitty of me if, like, if they end up being artistic, if I wasn't supportive of that, I will be super supportive of that. But at least sitting here right now talking to you when they're five and six years old, I don't think I'm going to just put them up in a fucking apartment in Manhattan (laughs) for 15 or for five years while they, you know, start an improv group or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I will be supportive of them doing what they want and following their dreams and whatnot. But they're going to have to have some responsibility and fucking make their own way at least a little bit. Right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, but where do you draw that line, right. you know? And I don't fucking like know. Dad. I don't know, you know? Well, you're a long way away from that. I'm, That's true, yeah. I got, a long, I got a long time to figure it out. That's true. I'm farther away from that. Tell me, does TV rot the brain? I mean, I don't think so, and and I'm, I'm super, super biased. Because, like, I mean, I watch a lot of TV, but, like... I look at it. I mean, I want to work in TV. I'm trying to. I'm right. developing a TV show right now, and, I, and like Stephen King said, if you don't, if you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. And I feel the same way about TV shows. Like, if you want to work in this industry, like you need to watch a lot of TV. Genuinely, yeah. I feel that way. And because I feel that way about it, I feel like it would be hypocritical or whatever of me to say. Ah, it's fucking bad for them. Do I want them to play outside? Yes, yeah. obviously. But I'm not a hardliner when right. it comes to TV rots your fucking brain or whatever. Because I feel like that would be not fair right. of me to yeah. take that stance. Also, kind of alarmist because there's no proof that right. like it literally like. And I think video games are actually good for them in a lot of ways. I'm not. I ain't letting my fucking five year old play Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> but I'm saying there are studies and shit that show that video games can help with like problem solving and critical thinking and all this stuff like the type of games they play have like puzzles in them and shit and i just don't i don't know i don't worry about it that much you know and were you guys like that from the start even because having my wife does not agree with me on these things for the record (laughs) 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 like this is me not her she's not she can't stand video games and tv less so but yeah she's not crazy about it but i just another thing is like i video games especially dude i played the fuck out of video games growing up goldeneye and uh actually i never had a 64 oh, i was a playstation guy I see. all right That's but fair. i uh played the shit out of video games all the time and i it's funny because other people i grew up with would say the exact same thing about switches like <laughs> i grew up that way and hell i turned out fine <laughs> you know what i mean but like i don't know i feel that way when it comes to games i really do so i don't know I do think it's a little alarmist. I also think that it's just, I mean, that's just the way, that's just the direction we're going right. in, man. You know what I mean? Like these, like, dude, my boys and how proficient they are with like my fucking iPad right. or whatever blows my mind. Yeah, is because when I was that age, I, you know, had a regular Nintendo that I could barely figure out or whatever. Yeah. But like, that's just how they are now because yeah. they grow up surrounded by it and immersed in it all the time. And I just think. Does a seven-year-old know more than you and your wife? Because that's what we're thinking is going to happen with our girls. Like, very quickly. I'd like to think that I'm fairly astute when it comes to that type of shit. Do they know, does he know more than my wife? Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not making a fucking, you know, 
She's not into it. She's a dumb woman joke. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But she's just not into it. And yeah, he like my six year old would have to fucking my wife could tell my six year old to turn on a certain movie and he'd have to do it for her. You know what I mean? Like he'd have to get on the PlayStation and fucking find the movie and shit and turn it on because she doesn't know how. Uh so yeah, I mean it's wild, man. Right. So how old are they now? Your your boys? Four and six, but the four year old will be five next month. Okay, so almost. So almost five right. and six. So you've been on this national tour. This is the second leg. Yeah. Uh, for like a year and a half now, at least. Before that, you were living at home. You had a day job. You were mm-hmm. doing comedy, but you still had a day job. Yeah. Have your boys uh, responded, good or bad, to this change, or is it they going with the punches? They've they roll with the punches pretty good, man. It's super super fucking hard on me, but luckily they don't make it harder. Like I mean, I've you know tried to sat them down and explain to them like I don't want to leave, but I have to leave because I you know that's my job and I do the job to make money to pay for your fucking food and your all that shit. Like I've had all those discussions with them and like I don't I ain't saying that they fully grasp it all, but they're pretty good about it. But, I mean, it's still tough on me for sure. But also, because of that, the way we do the tour is we go out for a few days and then come home for a few days. It's not like a band. With a band, to mobilize an entire band and roadies and equipment and all that shit, it doesn't make financial sense to do it any other way than you get started and you go out for a long fucking time. With comedians, that's not the case. So, like... We'll go out for four days and come home for five days right. or whatever that that kind of yeah. thing, and that makes it easier. But I mean, I mean, yeah, it still sucks, right. man. It's still tough for sure. But yeah, I don't know, man. Just trying to do the best I can, buddy. Oh, that's good, man. Do you have guns? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I have a shitload of guns, but I've never purchased a gun. I inherited all those guns from my grandpa. Uh, Not your dad. Well. Yes, my dad. The, they went from my grandpa to my dad. My dad has right. also passed away, and so now they're mine. All right. But my grandpa's the one that bought them all. All right, because your dad was super progressive. He was yeah, not. my dad, again, yeah. when my grandpa died, my dad took the guns, and they were in the house, but he never did shit with them. He wasn't a big gun guy. But, I mean, technically, they were his for a while right. until he passed away, and now they're mine. And your grandpa, uh, I think from what I've read, took you shooting you went and shot with your grandpa. he did yeah. yeah he did yeah taught me how to shoot when i was like oh, fuck i don't even know six right. probably something like that anyone who knows you or have seen your videos yeah with everything that's going on in the country uh, you definitely fall on the side of gun control that we can do something yeah. to reduce the gun violence so personally what do you see like so you just own the guns as an heirloom you don't even see it as like a weapon or a sport or anything like that basically yeah i mean for the most part could you sell them for money if, if you weren't making all the big I d- I mean, money? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I could, but, like, I I don't know. They have some amount of sentimental value, and, like, I don't. And also, I don't want to just put them in the trunk of my car and go somewhere and have some dude show up and just sell them to them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Selling them doesn't really appeal to me for a lot of different reasons. But I'm not. But, yeah, I mean, I'm pro-gun control, but I'm pro Super sensible shit right. that I, that seems so reasonable right. to me. You know what I mean? I'm not a hardliner. Take everybody's fucking guns right. of all kinds of way. I don't feel that way, but I think there are very reasonable measures we could right. take that I don't understand why people have such a problem with. But that's a good question. I don't know, man. It is what it is. I don't know, man. 
Oh, buddy. Yeah, you got to go. I do. Got to go. This has been a pleasure. All though, right, man. Brother. Trey, thanks for sitting oh, in. Dude. Dane. Always a pleasure, brother. Thank you very much.